Thank you. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. If the children would like to go ahead to Children's Church, you are invited to do so. If you are staying, then you are invited to stay as well. We are in Luke 17. If you have a device, you can press the button. If you have a Bible, please turn the pages. Luke 17. We have some Bibles over here. If you need some, you can pick one up. It's on page 511 of those greenish, tintish, tealish, bluish colored Bible. Should be page 511. If you have your own Bible, it's whatever page it is. If you have a button, press the button. Luke 17. Let me also say in the bulletin, I forgot, next Sunday is Easter. It is Easter. I didn't forget it was Easter. But at 8.30, we will have a service here telling the Easter story. And the men will be cooking breakfast at 9. Chuck and Larry and Norm are in charge of that. There will be some eggs to hunt. Children are invited to come, egg hunt. And we'll have regular worship. No Sunday school, but regular worship at 10.30. People are traveling. As far as the, the breakfast, do we need to supply anything or bring anything? Or is that being taken Please, please ask Chuck, Norm, Allen. Allen. No, not Allen. Chuck, Norm, Larry. Sorry. Yeah. Please ask. Right. Keep it. Keep you all straight now. You can draw a picture or something. Okay. Just for the record, we're men, and so I guess we probably haven't thought that far. So <laughs> forgive us. It's a good thing I'm preaching on forgiveness today. Why am I in this? <laughs> Guilt by association. Luke chapter 17. Jesus was teaching his disciples, Lord, teach us today. He said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must Forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in, from the field, come at once, recline at table. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly, serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Father God, would you do a great work as you have begun a great work in us? Would you see it through? 
towards completion. We pray, Lord, your spirit working to will and to work within each one of your children to your good pleasure, for your purposes. And pray, Lord, we deal with this difficult issue of forgiveness. And pray, Lord, you would give us soft hearts and open our ears and our eyes. And thank you, Lord. And God's people said, Amen. Jesus is on his way to Good Friday, Palm Sunday. He's on his way, on his way to the cross. He turns to the, the disciples now. He had been rebuking the Pharisees in chapter 16. He's been teaching them all throughout this time being stewards in the kingdom. Shrewd stewards, faithful stewards, obedient stewards. And now he turns to disciples, followers, believers, stewards, and you are to be forgiving. And I have some points on the back of the bulletin. Stewards must forgive. forgive. Stewards need faith to forgive. And stewards need the Father to forgive. And that's how I broke that out. Jesus is speaking to these issues. Forgiveness is a difficult issue. And we can certainly take hours. We can't cover every aspect of it. We'll try just to focus on what Jesus said in these verses here. It is a fact of life, he said. Temptations to sin are sure to come. That's how the ESV, my version, I like ESV, but you have a different version. The NIV may say things that cause people to stumble or the King James offenses will come. The Greek word is scandalon, where we get our word scandal, hindrances, stumbling blocks. When you're running, if you watch America Ninja Warrior and they go through the obstacle course and you have this big pendulum thing swinging at you and you gotta watch out because it's gonna hit you. People will sin against you. Temptations for you to sin will come. Hindrances, things getting in the way, stumblances during the week, at work, at home, maybe even on the way to church, maybe even at church. You will be sinned against. It will cause you to stumble. <clears throat> but... Woe to them through whom they come. Hopefully it's not you who's offending the other guy. It's never me who offends the other guy. It's always the other guy that offends me. But take a few moments and think about those times that you have sinned against someone. You have caused someone to struggle, to stumble, hindrance, or fall not always the other guy that's doing it. Oftentimes, look in the mirror. I am my own biggest problem. You are your own biggest problem. And in fact, for that person that tempts others to sin or puts stumbling blocks or hindrances, verse 2, it would be better to have a big heavy millstone tied around that person's neck, your neck, and to drown. 
gasp for air, quite the picture. Have that tied, big, heavy millstone used for grinding wheat. We're not talking about a little pewter thing with a handheld. We're talking one of those big millstone machines pulled by a donkey. Tie around that and put that on the neck, and it would be better for you to be thrown into the water, gasp for air, and drown than to cause a brother or sister to stumble. This is serious stuff. God takes a hard view on sin, person who sins against another. How might you cause others to sin? What might others do to you that cause you to sin? We are to be a holy people. Be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. We are to be aware of how we act to others in sin, how others may act towards us. That's why he says in verse 3, with an exclamation point in my version, pay attention to yourselves. Be aware of what you're thinking and doing and saying that may cause someone else. And be aware, not just guard your own heart, but rebuking your brother, think about your brother's heart. Help him guard his heart when he sins against you because you are going to rebuke him. Walking with Christ not only as individuals but in community. Did your parents ever tell you, watch your brother while I'm gone? Her father in heaven says, watch your brother while I'm gone. Question in verse 3, forgiving your brother. Who am I supposed to forgive? There is general forgiveness. Sure, forgive everybody. Guy who cut you off in traffic from New York. Probably me. Sorry. But Jesus is dealing with specific forgiveness here. Forgiveness of a brother. Who is my brother? Brother in Christ. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Those who believe and hear, hear and believe and do my will. <clears throat> Jesus is speaking to the disciples, not those outside the community, but those in, brothers and sisters within the body, church as a community, the building blocks. We are a holy nation. We are royal priesthood. We are family. We are mishpocha, Hebrew word, family. And how we treat one another when we offend one another and sin against, when we cause others to stumble, and when we have to rebuke one another. The need to tell a brother, you're being a jerk. Cut it out. You're not behaving right in the family of God. You're causing me to stumble. You're causing others to stumble. You're causing yourself to stumble. Am I allowed to say jerk? I don't know if that bothers anybody. You're New York. Thank you. I could substitute other words in there if you'd like, but this is a family show. Rebuke a brother. You're not going to tell me what to do. Verse 3 says, I am. 
pastor, elder, church member, brother in Christ, the body, the family of God. Peter and Paul. Paul told Peter in Galatia the issue of eating and food. Peter, you're being a jerk. Cut it out. You're not acting right. Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, all chapters that deal with issues of forgiveness, rebuking a brother, membership, discipline. We all, at one point or another, need rebuking. Hopefully we are seeking <clears throat> repentance and we are asking for forgiveness. Let's just talk about rebuke a moment. We'll deal with that. Rebuking a brother, correcting course. Brother, you need to change your ways. Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians 5 and 6. You have sinned against me and us. Behave yourself. Pull yourself together. Jesus was thinking in the back of the law, the Old Testament, Leviticus 19.17. He was probably thinking this, where God said, this is not new and the disciples would have heard this. Oh yeah, he's quoting to us from Torah. He's telling us Leviticus 19.17. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall reason frankly with your brother, lest you incur sin because of him. And in the family of God, there are rules, to con rules of conduct and how to act and behave. That's true for Sam's Club. That's true for Costco. It's true for the golf club. When I go play golf and I put my tennis ball on the tee, I take my tennis racket, I line up, and I hit it, and I make my way along the greens with my tennis ball and my tennis racket. Sooner or later, the manager's going to come, what are you doing? I'm playing golf. Were you playing golf with a tennis ball and tennis racket? You got a problem with that? What's wrong with you? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I do have a problem with that. Well, I don't have to listen to you. Yeah, you do have to listen to me because you're not following the rules. Get yourself right or go take it somewhere else. There are rules in school and family. There are rules in church. Sometimes a brother or a sister needs to be told, cut it out. What you did was wrong. You are out of bounds, causing the rest of us to stumble. This is not harsh. This is not to be harsh. Rebuke, not done in a spirit of lording it over, not trying to take a speck out of your eye while I got a log in my own. This is not vengeful or kick you to the curb. This is not high and mighty, and I am not condescending or patronizing. It is to be done lovingly, mournfully. Brother, horizontal relationship between you and I have been broken. It needs fixed. Brother, vertical relationship between you and your God, my God, our God, has been broken. Let's fix it. Hopefully, you don't want your brother to stumble. You want them to recover from stumbling. You don't want to be the one causing it, and you don't want to be the one receiving it. I am concerned for your heart. What you're doing is not good. What you are doing is hurting me and the body. 
you're coloring outside the lines, you're making a mess on the page for everybody. You're driving off-road, you're endangering your life, your family, <clears throat> church family, everybody. Hopefully they recognize this, Jesus says, verse 3. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. Hopefully he's repenting. Hopefully you are repenting. How many times are you forgiving? The standard was three. In Matthew 18.21, Peter said this same story, different instance, same story. What about seven times? That's pretty good. I'm doing pretty good if I forgive seven. And here he says seven. How about 70? How about 70 times seven? Well, what if they didn't ask for forgiveness? That would take another hour or so. That's not what Jesus brings up here. Let's pretend they do ask for forgiveness. There is a process to go through if they don't. We won't deal with that right now. Let's pretend, like Jesus says, they do forgive and they want to be restored. Even seven times they ask. You must forgive. In the end of verse 4, you, you should forgive. You might want to. Could be an option on the table. If you feel like it, you must forgive. Think about what forgiveness is. We're throwing that word around a lot today. What exactly does it mean? What does that mean I'm supposed to forgive? Leave it alone. Leave it behind. Lay it aside. Lay it aside. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Turn away. Slam the door. Not going back anymore. The past is in the past. Let it go. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, you may be familiar with. You could write it down. You could turn there. It's all about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. Let's take that passage a moment, and I'm going to take the word love out, and I'll read it with the word forgiveness. Love and forgiveness kind of goes together. Forgiveness is patient and kind. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Forgiveness is patient and kind. Forgiveness does not envy or boast. Forgiveness is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Forgiveness does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. Forgiveness bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Forgiveness never ends. Charity, charitable, love, overlooking offenses, letting it go, forgiving, here's an idea, as God forgave you. Forgiving your brother as God has forgiven you. Forgiveness is the mark of the Christian life, should be unique to the Christian life. Doesn't everybody forgive? My brothers don't know the Lord. They forgive. I've seen people forgive. Last month in Christ Church, New Zealand, there was a terror attack at the mosque. 
and Farid, Mr. Farid Ahmed, his wife was killed. He made a public statement, I forgive the shooter. As a good Muslim, I'm supposed to forgive. I forgive the shooter. Can't Muslims forgive? There is a such thing as common grace. There it got, we are all made, humanity is all made in God's image. Everyone has some kind of a sense of forgiveness. But Eric McTaxis, a breakpoint speaker, writer, author, breakpoint, Eric McTaxis, he said, no other belief system has the equivalent of forgiving your brother seven times, 70 times, seven times, every time much less love your enemy, bless those who persecute you. That type of forgiveness, I suggest Mr. Ahmed is closer to being a Christian than he is a Muslim. And let's pray for him and maybe he'll come to know the Lord. In 2005, Jamil McGee was arrested for selling drugs by Officer Andrew Collins served jail time. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. Fact is, he was innocent. Andrew Collins was a bad cop, falsifying reports, tampering with evidence. McGee served his time. Collins ended up serving time as well. Both men served their times, and it was a time after that they found themselves both working in the same rehab halfway house, Mosaic Christian Community Development Center, Officer Collins said to Mr. McGee, honestly, I have no explanation for what I did. All I can do is say, I'm sorry. And Mr. McGee said, that's pretty much what I needed to hear. I love you, man. And Collins wept, you don't owe me that. I don't deserve that. Isn't that what forgiveness is? I'm still defining what forgiveness is. Isn't that what forgiveness is? Getting what you don't deserve. Isn't that what Christianity is all about, Charlie Brown? Think about who you may need to forgive today. Where do you need to let go of the grudge? where you need to sing the song, let it go. There's the general sense of forgiveness, family members, guy cuts you off in traffic, workmate. More specifically, a brother or sister in church, maybe a pastor. If I haven't caused you to stumble yet, give it a few minutes. It's coming. Flip side, if you haven't caused me to stumble yet, wait, I'm sure. Maybe not your current pastor, but a former pastor, maybe a pastor or an elder, an officer of the church at another church you used to attend. Maybe it had involved a church split. Perhaps in this community, this community has seen its share. Or another one, you all come from different places and different backgrounds. I'm still working, I am still working on forgiveness issues when it comes to a few gentlemen I know, West River. Maybe just one another in this room, person on your left or right or front or back, 
And the fact is, is that forgiveness is hard because we are tempted to sin and not forgive. Anger and hurt well up inside. And you expect me to forget or deny that I've been hurt. Forgiveness is hard. I am tempted to sin in unforgiveness when I am wronged. The man has wronged me seven times. He repents. I need to forgive him seven times, but I don't want to. Puritan pastor John Owen, sin is not killed easily. The sin, I will add, the sin of unforgiveness is not killed easily. Let no man think to kill sin with a few easy or gentle strokes. Have you ever tried to kill a snake and you didn't finish the job? You're going to regret that. <laughs> the same with sin and the sin of unforgiveness. You didn't finish the job, it will rise its head. You have to pursue it constantly until it is dead. And the Greek word for that means dead. <laughs> But it's hard because I am hurt. They hurt me. They hurt my family. Is there anyone that you may not be forgiving? Anyone from your past or present? Is there some problems when it comes to forgiveness? We get in the way. Look what happens, verse 5. The apostles are having struggles and troubles with this. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. This is not random, increase our faith. This has to do with the forgiveness that you just told us. You said I have to forgive seven times. I can't do that. Increase our faith. It's impossible to forgive seven times. Forget one time. We are tempted to sin in anger and unforgiveness and carrying it on. We are tempted to sin when a brother does wrong. I hate back. Forgiveness requires faith in my heart, my sinful nature. I am saved and born again and I have assurance of salvation. I know where I'm headed. But I wrestle, Romans 7, wrestle with the sinful nature left over, and I don't want to forgive the apostles. We can't forgive. Only a soft heart. Only a born-again heart. Only a heart like God's. Only a heart of faith can forgive seven times. Even just once. Increase our faith. A preacher might preach verse 5 and 6 on faith and it could be a good sermon but if it's not connected to what comes before it's not as good as it could be 1 through 4 leads into 5 and 6 leads into 7 through 10 that's one unit that's one pericope is the technical word no extra charge for technical words <laughs> Why do we have to pay that much for what you're giving us? Talk about extra charge. Look, if I have to do the work and insult at the same time, help me out, okay? 
Verses 1 through 10 are not random things, but they belong together in a unit, a pericope. It is marked off in verse 1 where he says to his disciples, and in verse 11 where he changes scenes. Increase my faith. The only thing that will help you forgive is faith in Christ. I'm going to need a lot of faith to forgive this guy. That's what they're thinking. How are we supposed to forgive seven times? I'm going to need a lot of faith. Increase our faith, God. The Lord said, no, you don't. You don't need a lot of faith. All you need is the faith of a mustard seed, a little faith. That's small. We're not talking about mustering up faith. We're not talking about Star Wars using the force, chokehold or balance rocks, raise up the X-wing from the swamp. A tree is going to move, verse 6. Really? Faith to bend the laws of physics and biology? Is that hyperbole? Is that a, an expression that he uses? Jesus' point, all you need is a little faith to forgive. If you believe the gospel, the good news, if you believe in God's grace and power, His mercy, if He has forgiven you, He entered Palm Sunday, He hung from the cross and died for your sin on Good Friday, His blood was shed, He arose Easter Sunday, you forgive, you believe and understand all that, then you will, you can forgive your brother. Maybe you don't forgive because you don't have enough faith and you don't need a lot. You just need a mustard seed. Do you really believe in God? Do you really believe? For you who are holding on to grudges and not forgiving your brother like you were told to do, How's your faith? Do you really believe? When you say, God, I can't forgive, the impossibility becomes possible. All things are possible with God, with the grain of mustard seed faith. Again, not a faith in self. This is not Bruce Banner trying to bring out the Hulk in order to fight against Thanos. Avengers, sorry. That's how I think sometimes. Come on, where's your guy? Bring your guy out. Come on. This is faith in God's greatness, God's power, God's promise, God's consistency, God's covenant, His presence, His glory, not faith in self. And this type of faith, this type of forgiveness will lead to victory. Amen? and peace, and calmness, and hope, and healing, and glory. And forgiveness even leads to more forgiveness. Forgiveness piles on, and it's a wave of snow that can't be stopped. Boy. If you cannot forgive others of their sin, I ask you if your Father has forgiven you of yours. 
Matthew 6, 14, 15. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father also forgives you. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I ask you about faith to see the sinning brother as a brother, a fellow child of God related in family, the same Father in heaven. He died for him as much as me. And you must forgive. The first problem is needing faith. And all you need is a mustard seed. There are other problems as well. Verse 7 through 10. This is taking a little longer today. It's a difficult issue. It'll be all right. Verse 7 through 10 seems like an unrelated story. But Jesus is addressing the problem of faith in verse 5 and 6. Now he's got to deal with, he wants to deal with some other problems. This is how we read our Bibles. We see what happened before and after. Here's the situation in verse 7. The worker has been out on the field. He's been plowing. He's been ranching. He's been calving, dealing with sheep. He comes in, the boss, the master... Does he say, come on in, recline, relax, have a drink, take it easy? Verse 8, does the boss man treat the servant that way? No. He says, it's not break time yet. I'll tell you when it's break time. Get busy. There's more to do. Prepare supper. Dress properly. Serve me while I eat and drink. Or in verse 9, when the worker comes in from the field, does he get thanked? Thanks, servant. Thanks, worker. That was such a good, awesome job for me. What? Does your boss thank you at work? Now, I know our culture, that's important, encouraging. I worked at the pizza shop. I worked at school. I had an assistant, Nina or Amy or Wendy. I had different people that I worked with. Thank you for doing that, encouraging others. I get that. Sometimes, sure, yeah. But the reality is, the boss doesn't owe you thank you. The boss doesn't owe you good job. You're getting paid to do that. Do it. Let's change perspective in verse 10. God is the boss. God is the master. You are the servant. So what is your response when the Father commands you in verse 4 to forgive seven times? This means a right understanding of who you are and who the Father is. God, I forgave that guy seven times. That was hard, God. Now I'm just going to sit down and take it easy. I deserve a break. Look how hard I worked. What does God say? Get back up. It's not break time yet. You got more to do. Get busy. Forgiveness is commanded. That's the work to be done. It's not time to slack off and take it easy. There's more to do. It's what I expected you to do. And you shouldn't expect, I forgave that guy, so now I can slack off a bit. In the same way, verse 9, God, see how well I forgave that guy? I did it seven times. I get a good star. Praise me. God says, you don't get any praise. Talk to the hand. Talk to both hands. 
Look what I did on the cross. You think you get praised because you forgave a guy seven times? God doesn't owe praise or well done, and you should not expect it. There is no room for pride or boasting or slacking when you do what you're supposed to do. Verse 10, you are an unworthy servant. What you should do is be humble. Only do what was commanded your duty. Pride, boasting, slacking in the way of forgiveness has no place in relationship with the Father. We are to be humble and thankful. We are to acknowledge that the Father owes us nothing. We owe Him everything. Can we say in verse 10, Lord, I am an unworthy servant. I have only done what you have commanded me to do. Jesus is the perfect example of forgiveness. We'll finish with this. Jesus is the perfect example of forgiveness. On Palm Sunday, he was Hosanna and praise. And palms, they celebrated his entry just a few days later. Crucify. Good Friday is coming. And what's he going to say when he hangs from the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Does your forgiveness look like your Savior's? This is the good news that we celebrate every Sunday, but especially next. Easter Sunday is coming. Jesus forgives you of your sin today. He has risen. He is risen indeed. Death is defeated. You must be born again. Acknowledge and accept his death on the cross in your place. Receive his forgiveness and then forgive others. Fill in the blank. Who is it? Ask for faith. Just a mustard seed will do. And rely on him. Let's take some time in the quietness of our hearts and think on this and pray on it. Confess. Worship and praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.